You're listening to the Q's Podcast, Episode 77. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. You're choosing the Q's Podcast, where we speak with credit union industry leaders and cross-industry experts for a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. I'm your host, Lisa Hograff, Senior Editor with Q's. In this episode, we'll focus on trends in executive compensation, including specific results from the latest Q's Executive Compensation Survey. Our guest, Michael Becker, is Vice President of Industry Insights, which has worked with Q's on both the Executive Compensation Survey and the Q's Employee Salary Survey since 2014. This is done through the participation of credit union leaders who report their organization's data online. This year, 334 credit unions from across the country and all asset sizes participated in the Q's Executive Compensation Survey. This participation is so important to getting statistically valid information. Thank you to everyone who did so. Learn more about how to participate in and get access to these surveys at cues.org ECS and cues.org ESS. In the show, Becker talks about the key trend in this year's data and the context for that trend, which is that executive compensation grew but at a lesser pace than in previous years. A key takeaway from the show is that the level at which a credit union decides to compensate its executives and employees will impact its ability to attract and retain top talent. The show also gets into notable data this year about lending executives, new information about gender that's now included in the survey, turnover, and the importance of compensation in retaining key players, how to use compensation data, and how to know if you have good data on which to base your compensation decisions. Okay, now let's jump into the conversation. Hello, Mike, and welcome to the show. Hi, Lisa. How are you doing today? Great. It's great to have you. Yes, I'm very excited to be here to uh, talk about the compensation uh, levels and practices within the credit union and uh, just some of the exciting things that we found in this year's study. I'm excited about the conversation, too. I realize just how important compensation is to CEOs and to C-suite members and throughout the organization. It's a big topic. So how long have you been working on the Q's compensation surveys with Q's, Mike? It's been a little while now. I guess it has. So we started working with Q's in 2014. So this will be our sixth publication in 2019. Throughout the entire process, uh, you know, we've really worked on improving the survey itself and just providing the best information possible to uh, members and users of the report. Mike, what is the aim of the Q's Executive Compensation Survey? So really the aim of the study is providing credit unions with just invaluable information that's really much needed. Uh, regarding compensation and benefits information within the industry. You know, we do both the executive compensation survey and the employee salary survey, and they provide really good comparative benchmarks and benchmark information against for for credit unions basically to compare themselves against other credit unions of equal size or location or a variety of other factors. It's just a great way to make sure that, you know, they're, they're paying their employees within the strategy that they have set forth for their own credit union. 
know, there are some credit unions who want to kind of be right in the middle of the road paying their executives basically that middle number, you know, that median or average figure that everybody else is paying. And then there's some other organizations that may want to be kind of the, the market leaders and pay more to their executives because they want the best talent. So it really gives them a way to look and see, hey, who who do we want? What kind of the individual do we want? What do we want to pay them? And what is that market rate for that person that we're looking to hire or to retain? And, and really just with the way the economy is now, you know, job surpluses, things like that, having this information is just vital in terms of putting together a compensation package that is competitive uh, in today's environment. It's such an important topic that the magazine that I help edit, Credit Union Management, covers this every year. And just about every year, it's the cover story. So just finished working on the article for this year. It's not out yet. It'll be out August 1st. But the big trend was that compensation continues to increase, but at a lesser rate. Tell me more about what you saw in the numbers. Yeah, so for the past few years, we've just seen really, really strong growth in terms of compensation levels within the credit union industry. And what we have seen this year is just a slight drawback. So, you know, where numbers may have been 6 7 8% across the board previously, they were falling about a percent or two, so we're looking at maybe five, six, seven percent instead of that six, seven, eight. And it's it's not. I, I just wanted to be clear: it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's still outpacing a lot of compensation increases in other industries. Uh, for instance, we asked a question on the survey just about you know what what was last year's expected pay raise. Uh, this the current year's pay increases and next year's pay increases and everything across the board is pretty much three to four percent. So the actual compensation increases are outpacing the expected values, but it's just a little bit less this year than in previous years. Um, so it, it's it's still better than typical and better than most industries, uh, just a little bit of a pullback versus what we saw the last few years. So still very good news, just a slight dip in the overall increase. Why would you say that trend might be happening? So there, there's not an exact reason just because every credit union is going to work off their own internal systems and processes and goals and strategies. But in general, what we're kind of seeing is with the economy kind of having its foot on the accelerator for the last few years, there's a little bit of uncertainty just moving forward. You know, we've heard economists over the last three or so years saying, you know, next year we're going to see a dip. Next year we're going to see a dip. Next year we're going to see a dip. But that dip hasn't happened yet. So I think people are getting just a little bit conservative uh, looking forward because there are a lot of signs uh, when you look at economic data that next year could be bad. But if it's following the history of the last few years, we may just be kind of status quo again. And really, we're we're just in a weird spot right now because there are these indicators saying, hey, things are going to go down. But then we have seen, you know, historic unemployment rates being lower than anything we've seen since 1969. And we're seeing job surpluses that have reached new highs. So there's these other signs saying, you know what, there is a lot of room to grow. So there's a lot of uncertainty just looking forward the next few years saying, you know, are we going to go up? Are we going to go down? Um, you know, there's really no way to know in, until it kind of happens. So I think people 
are just being a little bit cautious, but there there's still room to grow. Uh, but people don't want to necessarily get kind of caught with, with not being prepared in case things kind of take a little bit of a dip. So in our reporting in the magazine, we often talk about the difference between salary, which when you raise it, then you commit to paying it year over year, and the extra compensation, the other pieces of a compensation package that executives get that might be just this year. Can you talk a little bit about how those numbers looked this year? Sure. So that brings up a really good point of how credit unions are paying their executives. If things are going well, and they largely increase a base salary, that base salary is now going to be raised every year moving forward. And there needs to be some sort of base salary increase just because the, you know, the employee knows what's going on too, and they don't want to just say, all right, every year we're just going to get a bonus. Where the bonus, you know, can be give and take, good year, they can give it to you much larger some years than others. If things are down, maybe there is no bonus at all or it's much smaller. So a lot of times when things are going very well, or there is uncertainty in the future, the bonus is kind of the the safer way to go for organizations just because they're not now locked into that compensation moving forward. Um, When we look at just increases across the board, full base salary and then the base plus bonus, which we ask on the survey as well, the majority of them, the base plus bonus grew more than the actual base salary. So that means the bonus itself is higher relative to the increase in base salary uh, increase. Um, and, that, and that's kind of, that is part of the thought of what, you know, the, the conservative thought moving forward where, you know, they want to just kind of, let's see what happens before we kind of keep jumping all in on these pay increases moving forward just because, you know, the sign in the economy say we could be going down, they could be saying we're going up, but let's just kind of, it a little bit safe and start handing out that compensation more on a bonus level rather than base salary increases. It's good to study the whole compensation picture. So there are quite a few different titles that are covered in the executive compensation survey. Were there any in particular that had notable data in this year's survey? Sure. So the the CEO is always a kind of hot topic uh, when it comes to these surveys. You know, there's always a larger write-up in our report about the whole CEO position, what they're doing benefit-wise, what they're doing compensation-wise. And from a standpoint of just increases in their overall compensation, there were approximately 7% of CEOs were reporting CEOs on a same sample basis. And that same sample is essentially anybody who responded last year and then anybody who also responded this year. So we're looking at the same person, what their increase was from one year to the next. And looking at both median and average, that was about 7%. And CEO has typically been one of the top, we'd say, three three to five uh, percent increases for all the positions that we have almost every single year. And this year, they were, I think, number two or number three again. So they're, they're right up there with some of the, the biggest increases in total compensation. Uh, the other two that we saw that had larger increases than others this year was the top mortgage lending officer, who had um, approximately a 7% increase, and then also business lending executives. They were a little bit over 7% on an average compensation increase for the same sample. So, you know, looking at those two, um, you know, mortgage lending officers with, with you know, they're getting paid basically <laughs> – 
if their their house is being sold, they're getting the mortgages out there. They're you know getting that when the economy and housing is doing well, the mortgage lending officer will typically see bumps in total compensation. And just the business lending, same thing. We have very very low interest rates along with very low mortgage rates. So those two areas of lending are really really kind of hot right now, and it's being reflected in the the total compensation increases. It's so interesting how all the pieces of the economy and the roles and the and the risks the lenders know how to manage risk, right? Or hopefully they do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So a couple of years ago, actually, it's just over a year ago, Q's launched its Advancing Women publication, which I have the privilege of working on. It's a quarterly digital only publication specifically for women who lead and women who would like to be leaders. And of course, the people that support them in doing that. So a couple of years ago, I think it's two years ago, we added a survey question to the executive comp survey about gender. Can you tell me what that question was and what, if anything, we've learned so far from asking it? Sure. So that question was added last year. Um, and so now we have basically two years of data looking at that. Um, the, what, the question itself basically was, no gender. Are you male or female? Um, that was the question. A couple of things about the question that can be a little tricky is just that it is not a self-reported question. So somebody usually in HR is filling out the survey. Um, you know, they're answering on behalf of somebody else. And that can just, you know, with, with orientations and gender and things like that, that can just be a little bit tricky, and we did see several people just not answering the question at all just because they, uh, you know, weren't comfortable doing it or they weren't, you know, willing to share that or make that assumption or whatever that might be. Uh, so we didn't see full responses based off of that. Um, but those who did, what we have found is looking at those who responded to the gender question, 45% of our total responses represented were female. So we had 45% representation of females, 55% of males. And looking within each of the positions that we have, we have 19 total positions. Seven of the 19 positions had more females than males. So we're seeing, you know, there is a lots of variety across the board. Um, you know, from, from the, those positions that are heavy on female, um, you know, the, the two biggest ones that are much more weighted or really the three that are weighted more towards female in terms of count were the HR executives, marketing executives, and then branch slash member services executives. Those were the three that have the highest percentage of females to males in terms of positions. When looking at the CEO position, it is about 25% female. So you can see, you know, there's, there's a lot of females in the executive level positions, but when you get to the very top, there's still lagging a little bit uh, as compared to those other positions that are, you know, kind of the tier below. Um, so there's room for growth, definitely, at the CEO position. Um, and we don't have tons and tons of data, obviously, with only two years, so we don't know what that's necessarily trending from. But with this question now on the survey, we will be able to start tracking it to see where it will be trending to moving forward. That's super. I imagine we'll follow up with you for advancing women sometime in the future. I'd, we'd be happy to help anywhere we can. I appreciate that. 
Are there any other key highlights from the data this year that you'd like to talk about? In terms of just overall key highlights, you know, the, the survey itself has has remained relatively static from one year to the next. Uh, you know, we have new questions every once in a while, new positions. You know, we had that gender question added two years ago. We added a top compliance officer uh, a couple of years ago. We're trying to always stay on top of everything and grow with it. But we like to keep things pretty static just because it's easier to fill out for the respondent. And then it gives a really good comparability from one year to the next. Uh, the, the big thing that we just we, we found this year um, was, you know, again, it, it's just that the increases were just slightly down versus the prior year. You know, across the board on benefits, the different levels of certifications, different education levels, years of experience, those sort of things within each of the positions remains pretty stagnant. Um, you know, we're, we are seeing in general the executive levels, especially at the top, you know, the CEO, CFO, CEO type level, they are getting older uh, as kind of is, is expected, uh, you know, and baby boomers are kind of falling off and a lot of uh, people at the top, you know, they, they have been there for a while. You know, we're looking at 20 plus years of experience within the financial industry. And so a lot of what we're seeing is kind of those succession plans and those are becoming more prominent amongst credit unions. And then we are also seeing that the expected date of retirement for the CEO, you know, the contract length and the expected date of retirement are getting just a little bit shorter than what we saw just a few years ago. So it looks like there might be some turnover here in the next few years uh, at the very, very top of credit unions. And then we'll just kind of continue to see a shift kind of up the chain a little bit in terms of, you know, who's now going to be taking over? Is it going to be, you know, the person right below them? Is it going to be somebody else? Is it going to be somebody within the, that credit union? There'll, there'll just be a lot of, of new kind of stimulus to the to the survey itself and, and what we can see. The, that next group that is ready to take over kind of moves into those top positions. Yes, it will be very interesting to look at that data over time. And it really points to the importance of succession planning now. So I want to remind our listeners that our coverage in the magazine of the Q's Executive Compensation Survey will be available August 1st or after at cumanagement.com slash magazine. Mike, you know a lot about compensation and compensation data. I wonder, do you have any recommendations for our listeners for how they might use compensation data in general? What's a good approach? Sure. So a good approach is, you know, the, the online tools that we have um, and the report that we have shows the data in a variety of different ways. The, the the biggest thing that we have found that correlates to compensation levels is the credit union asset size. So as people go through and look at the data, they really want to not just look at the overall, you know, base salary, base bonus and total compensation levels. They want to try to get a little more granular for the position that they're looking at. So if you can identify a asset size grouping that matches your own, that'll be the best indicator for what you should be paying your own employee in that position. But then you also kind of need to take another step back and look to see what is our strategy. And I kind of hit on this before, is you want to be paying right in the middle of the road do you want that, you know, that average value, that median value right in the middle? Or do you want to be kind of a market leader and go after that best talent? So using the information where we show a, a variety of different levels, you know, we show the data as an average, as a median, 
10th percentile, 25th percentile, 75th percentile, 90th percentile. You can kind of slot where you are and where you want to be when looking at any compensation level of any of these positions. So if you want to be that market leader and pay top tier, you know, you can look at that 90th percentile and say, this is what we want to pay. We want the best talent. This is what they're being paid. This is what we'll offer. If you want to be kind of right in the middle, just looking at that median and average value, seeing where you fall against the benchmark and just saying, are we close enough? Are we a little above, a little below, right in line with where we want to be? And again, as I mentioned, you really want to kind of focus in on that asset size instead of, you know, the overall respondents, just because if you're a $100 million credit union, you don't want to be comparing yourself against a $5 billion credit union. There's going to be a, a pretty big uh, gap in pay for each of those positions. So honing in on your asset size and then just identifying where you want to be kind of middle of the road or kind of a market leader in terms of compensation. So... Mike, I have edited the article for the executive compensation survey in my many year history as an editor for Q's, but I haven't done it recently. In the past, we've had little asterisks at times that would say something like, not a meaningful sample. And so no number was reported in my layman's terms because there wasn't enough information to generate a good one. Can you tell me, as a user of an executive compensation survey, how can you know that you're getting good data, data you can rely on? Sure. So the data itself on the online reporting tools in our in our report, we have a minimum threshold of 10 in order to show any data point. So if you're slicing and dicing the data, looking at a specific region or a specific asset size, and there's only six respondents, it's going to come up and say there's not enough information in order to show any sort of data. And, and the reason we do that is just we want to have a meaningful sample, and we also don't want to inadvertently or, you know, let people think that they may know who might be in a specific region of a specific asset size and then try to figure out what they're paying their people. You know, we intentionally block that so you have no idea who's even participated and not showing individual responses. So we, we make sure we keep that confidentiality in place. And, but in terms of good data, you know, a sample size of 10, um, you know, that's our minimum threshold. In general, just from a statistics standpoint, data tends to normalize at 30. Um, so if you can get that 10 count up to a 30 count, I would personally say that data would be a little bit more reliable at 30 than 10. But there's certain situations where there might not be enough information in order to, or enough responses to get a 30 count. And in which case, you know, using 10 is fine. Um, but uh, you'll need to kind of, you know, look at it and say, does this look reasonable? When you're looking at yourself versus a data cut maybe that only has 10, you know, making sure that your asset size is similar to the average or median asset size of the data that you're looking at. But in terms of the data quality, I can personally tell you that we go through a very thorough process of cleaning the data, um, looking at, at the responses. Every single response for every single position has been looked at both manually and by a computer process. And we make sure that anything that looks out of whack either followed up on to the respondent or we make an edit using, you know, our standard procedures of uh, three standard deviations outside the mean, which for a lot of people that may not make any sense, but it is a process that we do. And uh, that just ensures that there's no outliers in the data, that nothing's going to really stick out and skew the information. And that's the main goal is, you know, there it, it could be a valid, a valid compensation level. And if it's going to mess up or skew the data, we don't want to include it because it's not necessarily indicative of what the industry is doing. 
So we, we have lots and lots of years of experience doing this, and we just want to make sure that the data we're putting out is useful, is helpful, and is valid. And we have just lots and lots of processes in place to make sure that that comes true for that end user. Oh, that's super. I, I love hearing descriptions, even though I don't understand the depths of the statistics <laughs> of good data management, because that will certainly help executives and HR people make good decisions. Now, you mentioned earlier that you also work with us on the Q's employee salary survey. Can you talk a little bit about what you might have found this year in that survey? Sure. So the employee salary survey is a little bit of a different beast than the executive compensation survey. And the reason I say that is for the executive compensation survey, we're looking at an individual person and what types of compensation levels they're making, what type of benefits they're making, you know, what their education level is, years of experience. It's all very focused on one individual. The employee salary survey looks at a position that may have a hundred people. You know, depending on the size of the credit union, if you're looking at tellers or customer service reps or whatever that might be. So we're not getting down to the granular level of what a specific person is demographically in terms of education, years of experience, things like that. So the employee salary is more of a straight benchmarking survey where we can't use same sample because we don't know if that person uh, or that whole group is the same from one year to the next. Um, so any trends is a little bit misleading if we even try to show those, which we don't just because it is misleading, where if you're looking at a group of 20 respondents uh, in a teller position one year, then you have 25 the next, you know, those could be 25 completely different people with different um, qualifications. So we don't like to show trend in that sense. Uh, but what we do provide is just a, a benchmark for people to look at to say, all right, here's what people are paying accountants or tellers or whatever that might position that might be and you know give that same type of range of kind of lower end what people are paying higher end what they're paying and really just allowing people to say all right are we in line uh with with the industry yes or no and then if they um you know if they are or aren't they can make their adjustments as needed but then they also really kind of need to look at their more specific metro city type of level because some of these positions they're not necessarily in competition with other credit unions. They're actually in competition with other businesses in the city where that person is employed. So just looking at that and saying, all right, you know, we're in line with the, the industry, but we're in a higher um, paying market, a, a higher cost of living market. So we may have to make a little bit of an adjustment up uh, to, for our employees for what we should be paying them. Or if we're in a kind of a rural area, maybe make a little bit of an adjustment down. But the employee salary survey is more just a, a kind of a health check of saying, are we in line with the industry? And then yes, no, um, you know, based off of that response, whether they need to start kind of looking around what their cost of living is, what other people are paying in that city versus where the executives, you know, there's competition from other credit units across the country rather than specific within a city or a metro area. That's a super description and explanation. So, Mike, is there anything that we haven't covered today that you would like to bring up for our listeners? So the only thing I would, I would mention to listeners is just really encourage them to participate in the surveys. Um, you know, that, as I mentioned before, we are in 
a crazy time of unemployment rates being incredibly low, job surpluses being incredibly high, and the need for this information is more important than ever. It's higher than ever, the desire to get this information. And what we're finding is a lot of people want this data, but they're not necessarily willing or remembering to submit on time. Um, so just making sure that when all these reminders go out, uh, the more data that we receive from people, the better the data output will be, the more usable that data will be, the more valid that data will be. And in terms of how people are using it, if you fill out the survey, there's obviously some discounts and things like that that Hughes provides. But also on the reporting tools, we offer them to be able to show their own data alongside the output. So if you don't participate, you know, you're going to have to say, all right, I need to fill in the compensation levels of my CFO when I run this report. Or I'm going to have to fill in the compensation levels of my COO when I run this report. But if you already participated, you just click a button to show my own data alongside, and that's already all there for you. So it's a little bit more work on the front end, but it makes the data way, way better for everybody on the back end and then makes it even easier for those running the reports uh, because the information that they've already input then comes out back to them on, on their report output. So it, it's really, uh, you know, everybody kind of likes to procrastinate, but then once it, it's time to say, hey, I'm running these reports, where's my data? And then they're realizing they haven't participated. Um, it kind of is like, oh, wow, I really wish I would have participated. So just getting in there, getting your information in, helps the industry, and then also just helps the individual credit union. So highly, highly recommend participating in the survey. So Q's Podcast Nation, please participate in the Q's Executive Compensation Survey and the Q's Employee Salary Survey. It sounds like participation has distinct benefits for individual credit unions and for everyone that uses the surveys. Michael, thank you very much for being with us today. You've been a pleasure to have as a guest. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Q's. And thank you again to our special guest, Michael Becker, Vice President of Industry Insights in Dublin, Ohio, for joining us. Becker and Industry Insights work together with Q's to create the Q's Executive Compensation Survey and the Q's Employee Salary Survey. The results of the Q's 2019 Executive Compensation Survey are available for you to purchase, whether you participated in the survey or not. The survey includes a reporting tool that will help you run unlimited, customized reports to see data relevant for you and your peer credit unions. And a reminder to our Q's Unlimited Plus members out there, you receive complimentary access to both the Q's Executive Compensation Report and the Q's Employee Salary Survey. Be sure to visit cues.org slash ECS to learn more about the Q's Executive Compensation Survey. Also visit cues.org slash ESS to learn more about the Q's Employee Salary Survey. Learn more about Q's membership at cues.org slash membership. Q's is an international credit union association. Our mission is to educate and develop credit union CEOs, executives, directors, and future leaders. To learn how Q's can help you realize your potential, visit Q's.org today.